Welcome back to another episode of the Ozone Podcast. We got Justin, Al, myself, Anthony, and today is January 14th, so we are recording this Thursday afternoon, and damn it, boys, we are injured. We are so injured. We are dumb injured. Why are we so hurt right now? <laughs> like, we are medically incapable of walking without getting hurt. What's up with it? What happened with this team the last two years, man? Like, we just cannot stay healthy. Bro, it's bad. Like, the the luck. And here here's my issue. And obviously, we're going to talk more about it in just a moment. But our injuries is causing, it's like the minute someone gets hurt, bam, free passes are being handed out everywhere. You get a free pass for coaching. You get a free pass for, for an office and sleeping on the job. Like, a lot of free passes are being thrown around with every injury that occurs. <laughs> Man, I, yo, yo, I, so I, I feel like you, we said that it's been about a week and a half since we did an episode. Man, I, I'm ready to ready to go through it. But before we get into that, before we get into it, let's talk a little bit about um, NBA in general. So obviously right now the NBA is struggling with COVID. This is not the bubble, all right? We're not in a safe, confined environment the NBA is trying to do the best that they can in terms of how they're doing the scheduling, where we're playing certain teams back to back. They're enforcing new rules, um, but we're, we're struggling. Uh, we just recently, well, just now we had our first Orlando Magic game postponed against the Boston Celtics because they weren't able to get eight people on the floor. Um, what, what are you guys' thoughts on, on the struggle that we're going through with COVID in the NBA? I mean, I I think it, it should have been expected. I mean, it happened to Major League Baseball. It happened to, you know, the NFL. I think as long as you're playing a team sport, you can expect COVID to kind of, you know, attack the players on, on those teams. The UFC, you know, has kind of had a better, I would say, uh, outlook with COVID just because it is one-on-one -on -one in the cage, you know what I mean? So it's not so much of a team dynamic and um, as soon as one person gets sick they get removed but that's a little bit different when you're continually around you know 15 plus guys um, and it's easier to you know to spread COVID around so I think that's one thing that the NBA is going to get better at over time and I think we see the adjustments that they're taking now players outside of being home they can't do anything else you know what I mean they unless you're going out to see a doctor or get groceries which I would assume most players have people getting groceries for them. Um, but any of those things, you really can't go outside. Um, and I think it's it's just because the, the league has to, you know, get it under control. But how long are players going to be willing to live under those restrictions? Yeah, I don't know if you guys saw um, George, uh, George Hill from OKC today add some comments about yeah. this and basically say, you know, I'm a man and I'm going to do whatever I want to do. Like this, you guys can control me in a way. Um, I think that's where things are going to get kind of interesting for the NBA where, yeah, we have these restrictions. They're trying to do things the right way, but there are going to be some players that just don't respect the rules and, and, and refuse to refuse to, to abide by the rules that the league is setting. Um, and I think Coach Clifford today gave a really good quote talking about, you know, it's not only the teammates, it's not only your team itself, but it's also the older people, the older family members, the older parents that you have at home that you're going to go say hi to right. after a game, the impact that it can have in them as well. Um, so it is a crazy issue going on in the NBA right now. And like you said, Justin, it was expected. 
But I think it's happening a lot faster than we expected. It's only been, what, three weeks, almost four weeks since the NBA started. And we're seeing a large number of games getting postponed. Um, the Magic were affected for the first time. Um, I know there's games already Saturday being canceled, and it's only Thursday. So, I mean, uh, hopefully the league can continue. I, I don't want to see the NBA stop. Uh, we're all basketball fans here, and, and we want to see this continue. But the players have to do their part. The NBA have to do their part. And hopefully these vaccines uh, do their job and we can go back to normal life soon. But it will be a tough season for sure for the entire NBA. Yeah, I mean, the NBA is different. It's not a normal job, right? These these people are getting paid millions of dollars to be able to play basketball. You're right. George Hill is 100% right. The NBA can't control what he does. He's a man. He's a grown man. He can do whatever he wants. But they can control his paycheck. So oh. not not every NBA player has the ability to be able to say, huh, I don't feel like going to work or huh, I don't feel like uh, not following the rules. I'm going to go do this, go do that. You know, George Hill is a player, in my opinion, that he doesn't have that luxury. So if he's willing to <laughs> to pay the fines and yo, by by all means, hope you got investments. Yo, Kyrie's about to risk four hundred and ninety thousand dollar fines every time he misses a game. So <laughs> that, and some players got it like that. Yeah. That, and I get that it's bad. So Aaron Gordon recently was quoted. He put this on his Twitter saying it's starting to get janky. It'd be cool with the bubble if it was in the Bahamas or Hawaii and we got to bring our family's wife or girlfriend. So one, I find it funny that he added the girlfriend at the end because he obviously <laughs> didn't fall under the the other categories. So he added, he, added, he added the girlfriend. So I thought that was neat. And uh, second, what a typical Orlando thing to say. Like if you played amateur basketball in Orlando, you were always so upset that all the tournaments were already here and you did zero traveling. <laughs> like, like no traveling. This dude is saying, let's do a bubble out in you know pleasure island let's let's do it out in in paradise because he he was not happy that he was confined in orlando where he's already in orlando hey orlando is paradise to some that's I, for sure that is facts that is 100 percent <laughs> facts um now now you just brought up kyrie irving so obviously the situation in brooklyn is a little weird um what are your thoughts on that? Because we, we just all heard the big block, uh, blockbuster trade of James Harden. Does James Harden getting traded to the Brooklyn Nets, now that he's in the East Eastern Conference, does that impact Orlando at all? Uh, I don't think it. I mean, it does, of course, because now they become the, you know, the top team in the East, uh, the team to beat automatically. They were already kind of the top three teams in the East, but this definitely makes them the, the top team uh, to beat. Um. I just, I don't know, man. That entire situation with the Brooklyn Nets, on paper, they look amazing. The offense is going to be ridiculous. But like you mentioned, Kyrie Irving's not even playing right now, and nobody knows why. The team doesn't know. Nobody knows. If he does come back, they're saying now he's going to have to be um, on quarantine for up to 14 days because he was seen at a birthday party with no mask and all this stuff. And then James Harden, look at what he put his old team through. And we know KD how sensitive he is. So that entire team, that locker room, man, it's going to be a, an interesting thing to see this season, how they, how they transition to this new roster and their depth. Their depth is kind of non-existent right now. Uh, but I'm sure some veteran free agents are going to go there for cheap because they want to win the ring. Um, but I don't know. I, I like it on paper. I just don't know how it will work out when actually games are being played. It's funny because I saw their their expected um their expected starting five, and they have uh, Magic Legend Jeff Green as their starting center. That's not happening. 
I still I still can't believe we gave that man 15 mil for one year. That was I mean that's dumb. one of many questionable things Orlando has done. Uh but I I think James Harden to Brooklyn is interesting, right? Cuz I mean obviously there's the dynamic of James Harden and KD playing together in the past. Obviously none of them were at the caliber of player that they are today. Um and I I don't think it'll be difficult for James and, and KD to work together. I think what makes that interesting is the Kyrie dynamic, right? Um, I think James, this idea that James can't or like he won't be the second or third guy. I don't know how much of that is real and how much of that is just the media kind of just putting stories out there to get, have something to talk about. I think that if you're a part of a team as, let's say, concentrated, talent concentrated as Brooklyn is about to be, I think you all understand that if you play within the scope of your game, you're going to the NBA finals. And I think at that point, it's an ego conversation. And I think all three guys will be willing to take a step back to let the other thrive if it means that they win a a ring. When the trade initially went down, um, obviously it's... I had the feeling that was, he was going to go to Brooklyn. Philly didn't make sense because um, they didn't want to trade James Harden back to the the former uh, to Daryl Morey. So it, it Brooklyn kind of yeah, I saw that that was happening. What I didn't see happening was the fact that it was a four team trade. And um, Al, I want to say that I had saw that your tweet that you had posted saying, "Man, please, 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 you know, let let the magic be somewhere in the mix for Chris Levert." And when it didn't happen and I saw everything roll out, I thought to myself, like, man, why can't we do fun things? Like, why, why can't our organization be a little a little risking of some sort? Like, why can't we go out there and have fun and 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 be the like, like you take a look at Cleveland? Yo, they got a Cleveland got better. They got a great deal in that trade. And what and what did they give up? Dante Exum? An injured Dante Exum? And a Exum? second round pick. And a second round pick? That's it. And they got a role player. In Prince, and they also got a great young center in Allen. So I mean, I don't. Again, I don't understand. I mean, it takes two to to work out a trade. We know that. But I mean, Caris Levert is a name that we've mentioned numerous times in in Orlando Magic Twitter, at least. How can we? I mean, so what they gave up, Indiana gave up for him, was Oladipo, who's an expiring contract. That's what they were after, and a second round pick. So I know it's going to go to Justin's, uh, I'm going to get on Justin's bad side here, but if you were to trade Evan Fournier's expiring contract, money works 100%, and heck, throw in there a, a second-round pick or first-round pick in a few years, they would do it too because they were after their expiring contract and a pick. And now you have a young shooting guard with potential to develop with your young crew that you have in Orlando. But of course, that did not happen. Yeah, Who would and be then- the young shooting guard? You're talking about Oladipo, right? No, no, no. Evan Fournier. You trade him for Caris Levert and a pick. Oh, for Caris Levert. Okay, okay. So, I mean, you... So, in, in one of the ways that it could impact the Magic, right, is it, it was also reported that Victor Oladipo doesn't want to play for Houston, and he's still trying to find his way to get to Miami. Victor Oladipo is a player that a lot of people have mixed feelings for. You either really like him or you really don't. And I've I feel as if the majority of the fan base, the Magic fan base, they really don't want anything to do with Oladipo. But in my opinion, I really don't want anything to do with Oladipo in Miami because then that would really help their roster out. But I don't know, man. It, it's going to be interesting. It does it impact the Magic 
um, Brooklyn trading for James Harden? Not really, because Brooklyn, we already we are, had already envisioned them being a heavy hitter in the East with Kyrie and Kevin Durant. Let's say that Kyrie Irving doesn't come back for whatever his strange reasons are. Um, they have James Harden, and James Harden and Kevin Durant together is already going to be Crazy. a problem. So if if they if those two obviously with Russell Westbrook and others if they were able to make it to the finals in the West Coast together as like young players imagine what they're able to do in a weaker conference in their prime. Yeah. It's going to be insane. nuts. But let's let's get into um the the numbers. Let's talk Magic Basketball in depth. So um it, it's been a rough a rough couple couple weeks. Uh, Magic are six and five. Believe it or not, we're still in playoff contention. We are currently fifth in the East. Points per game, we're averaging one hundred six point one, which has us twenty seventh in the league. Three point percentage, we're at twenty eighth, averaging thirty two point five. Our our shooting has been struggling. Offensive rating one hundred five point five, has us twenty fifth. Defense points allowed one ten point three, which has us thirteenth in the league blocking we're averaging 3.0 which has us 30th and defensive rating 109.7 which has us 16th normally our defense is our bread and butter and uh yeah that just hasn't been the case you know what's funny as you're reading these numbers how for how long can the magic keep that same trend in the offensive side of things 30th 28th 27th 28th 29th at the very least since i moved to orlando in 2016 they decided to go into every single game Man, it's been five years since that, and nothing has changed. Our offense still struggles, to put it kindly. I think a lot of times people talk about the defense being Orlando's strong suit, and it's not. I mean, we're bottom half of the league on, in offense, and we're really bottom of bottom half of the of the league in defense. Other than points allowed at one ten point three, which ranks us at thirteenth. Everything else, we're high 20s, with the exception of defensive rating where we're 16th, which is right under the halfway point. So I, th- this team is not not playing well right now. I understand that there's a lot of guys that are injured on this team. But a, there's lot. A, lot of, a lot of veterans on this team that are healthy, um, and, and the team's just not doing what they're supposed to be doing. So I think if we're, if we're going to defer um, blame to the fact that a lot of the guys are injured. We also have to justly criticize those who are playing, who have been in the league five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten years, with the exception of Vucevic and Terrence Ross, aren't producing enough for this team to be competitive. Yeah, but a lot of that has to do with um, who we have at the helm. I mean, you take a look at the coaching that we've had. It, you you have let, let's just go back to Scott Skouse. We went from Scott Skouse to Steve Clifford, both defensive minded coaches that. Not that they ignore the offense, but obviously a lot of their effort goes into the defensive end. Don't forget about Frank Vogel in that too, defensive coach. Yeah, that's right. Frank Vogel also. But I think you can't just I – don't, I don't know if it's as easy as just looking at the coaching staff and saying, well, they're defensive-minded, so obviously the offense is going to struggle. I think learning to play defense in the NBA, you know, at an elite level teaches discipline, Right. And I think that discipline is probably the most important aspect that you can have in order to win a championship. So I don't think that's the problem. I think it's just that, number one, I don't think we have guys that mesh well together. And I think that some of the guys' weak points are not other guys' strong points. So when everybody's weak point is offense, 
then obviously you're not going to be able to put something together where the offense is better. I don't know, man. I, I think we're, we're sitting fifth uh, because we got off to a 4-0 start and we have a little bit of padding there. But I think we're pay- we're playing like a 13th, 14th seed right now. Yeah, can we go back to our full 4-0 start where all our players were healthy? <laughs> you got people in the media that were apologizing, saying, I'm so sorry, Kendrick Perkins, yeah. I'm so sorry that hey, I, I doubted we, you guys. I think we jinxed it a little bit, not just us, but everybody who covered Orlando, right? We we got really excited over a 4-0 start, knowing that we didn't really play great competition. We played below average competition in OKC. We played against, we played, we played against the Miami Heat, the defending Eastern Conference champions. Yeah, First game, was, game one. But to be fair, though, like, but to be fair, I mean, yeah, we, we started 4-0. The losing started when the injuries started happening, unfortunately. You know, that's when we started losing Evan Fournier. We started losing Michael Carter-Williams. So I think it goes hand in hand, too. Then, unfortunately, we'll talk Markel about it next. Fultz. Markel Fultz went down, too. So, I mean, I think injuries having helped us. I think a healthy Orlando Magic team right now could have beaten Houston. They could have beaten probably Dallas. We were in that game till the very end of that game. Um Again, we just we're playing with a rookie point guard right now, <clears throat> and a ton of injuries all around. I think we say that often. I think, and and I'm not trying to make this a hate on the Magic episode, but we make excuses for why this team isn't good, time and time again. And I think ultimately the problem is we don't have a scorer, we don't have a natural scorer, and we're failing to make that adjustment. Yeah, and it's not going to get better anytime soon. So just going through the games that we had real quick. Wednesday, we played against the Cleveland Cavaliers. Um, Magic won 105-94. to This was a game that Ross scored 20 points off the bench. Friday, Orlando 90. Houston gave us that whoop in 132-90. to Vucevic led the way with 22 points and 12 rebounds. Saturday, the Magic played against the Dallas Mavericks. Um, Vucevic, another strong game, finishing with 30 points, 15 rebounds. And then Monday, we played against Milwaukee, 121 to 99. In my opinion, this was a game that we uh, we should have had, man. We were up until the fourth quarter. We were, we were with them until the fourth quarter and then kind of just ran away from us. So that was a game that Vuce, um, again, 28 points and 13 rebounds. If there's one thing that you're getting from all of this is the fact that Nikola Vucevic is a monster. And for those of you who are listening, for those of you that are on social media saying that Vucevic, you need to trade him now. You are bananas. If there's only if if we talk about the only bright spot about the Orlando Magic is Nikola Vucevic, and if you don't think that this man is a top five big in the NBA, you're out of your mind. And this dude has already gave ten seasons with the Magic and deserves all the flowers that this dude is going to get in the future for the amount of time. Uh, and and his level of play that that he's had with us, agreed one hundred percent. What are some of the things that What are some of the things that you guys saw um these last four games that kind of stood out to you? This was obviously a stretch where we've we really got impacted by the injuries, and where we started seeing a decline in play. Just again, unfortunately, the lack of depth that we have now. All of a sudden, you know, our our biggest strength coming into the season was supposed to be depth. You looked at the one through fifteen, the team that they put together, you could say they can all play in the NBA. All these dudes can. With the exception of, of Jordan Bone and, and, um, and Monet, like we didn't know much about them. But the other 15 dudes in the roster were like, hey, this dude can play anytime. Unfortunately, half of our roster, it's now down. All the vets, all Kiki's down. Now Markel's out. You know, it, it's hard in the NBA to win when you don't have a healthy team, unfortunately. And 
the other teams have had healthy teams for the most part. Even Cleveland, we beat them that Wednesday. But in reality, they were down Sexton. They were down a bunch of dudes that they normally would play. Um, so even that one win that we got, I wouldn't consider it a, a huge win or anything crazy that we did that night. Um, and then the other games were more realistic. Houston spanked us. Dallas, we kind of played tight with them until the fourth quarter as well. And then Milwaukee, we couldn't keep up in the fourth quarter. Again, lack of depth. Um, so unfortunately, it's showing. And unless injuries uh, just stop for this team, it's going to be a rough month for us uh, in January. Yeah. Um, Elise wrote an article for the Zombie B, Mr. Consistent, Nikola Vucevic, which I do think everyone should go check out. But I did want to read a little excerpt from it. She said, uh, only 11 games into the season, and the all-time uh, made field goals leader for Orlando Magic is currently averaging 22.5 points per game, 11.3 rebounds per game, 3.5 assists per game while shooting 50% from the field and 41.8% from behind the three-point line. I mean, if that, doesn't, if that doesn't show you that Vucevic is consistently improving and literally carrying this team for as much as he could, he needs help offensively. That's just what it is. No, no matter how great you are as a player, no one player in today's NBA can make you competitive. There's just too much talent disbursement. So unless Orlando decides to utilize Vucevic now and, you, and utilize his ability now and partner him with somebody who can contribute offensively in a major way, I think they need to move him for his sake because he'll end up spending the rest of his of his you know, elite years in Orlando, never truly competing. And I, I don't know, man, I don't think that's fair for him. <laughs> I think recently, uh, for a long time, I hated on the great guys, you know, like KD, LeBron, Steph, and I didn't appreciate their greatness. And I'm not saying that Vucevic is on that level, but what I've learned over time is that when you have a man who's contributing at a high level um, and who's, you know, the game is slowing down for him and it's beautiful to watch, you need to compliment that immediately. So while people hate on the fact that, you know, you have James Harden joining forces with Kyrie and KD and saying how it's unfair, you have to maximize the good years that your, your players have. And I just don't see Orlando doing that. Yeah, man, I feel I feel real bad for him because he's Nikola Vucevic is 30, turning 31 in October. And how many more years of this level of play does he really have left? The great thing about Nikola Vucevic is that he's not athletic, right? Everything that he's doing right now can sustain um, length in the future but at the same time it, it feels like this is a wasted year no Jonathan Isaac Markel Fultz is out for the season with a torn ACL um, injured players left and right obviously this year is a little funky because you have so many uh, issues with the NBA and COVID but I do really feel bad for Nicola because he is playing out of his mind he's the only consistent thing that we know that it's a sure thing going into every single game he's a problem the other team needs to worry about him and we're, what, what is it for this season? In all honesty, with the injuries that we have, what is it for? Nikola Vucevic, as great as I think that he is, he's not. it's not enough for just him by himself to carry the team. I agree with you, Justin. Uh, he, he needs to have that, that other person. And who do we have? Your, your options are Aaron Gordon. Your options are Evan Fournier. Your options are Cole Anthony. Like, the, 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 the person that he plays the best with right now it's maybe Terrence Ross, but that's that's about it. He needs some help, and right now we don't have it. Yeah, it, that's what leads to the conversation of what do you do with him? You know, is this the time where, hey, his, his value is at an all-time high? Is this one you maybe consider trading him for his own sake, but also for our sakes? Because we, we need talent in this team. 
and that's one way of getting it. You trade that 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 superstar player who, unfortunately, is on a team right now that's hurt, and our key players, Markel Fultz, J.I., are not coming back until another season. So what do you do now? Fournier is expiring. Gordon, we've heard him many, many times. It's on his way out. So it's just a year, you guys think, that Orlando makes those moves that we've been waiting for for a while, where you break up that three, those three players and start seeing something, whether it's building for the future or it is you package them for a star. You can say, hey, let's build around that star instead of GI and Falls because, unfortunately, they have some major injuries to deal with right now. Yeah, so when people talk about, you know, should the Magic tank, should they not tank, I think there's valid arguments on both ends. But for a team like the Magic to tank, to tank when you have uh, Vucevic playing at a level where if he sustains this throughout the season, the man could be an MVP in all-NBA talks, all-NBA team talks. You know what I mean? I'm not going to sit here and say he's going to win MVP. We know it's a popularity contest. Unless Orlando makes it to the playoffs, there's no way he's even, you know what I mean? But you can't talk about seriously tanking when you have a guy in his prime who's giving you all he can give you offensively. That's not fair to him. Yeah, and and I already said it, but I, I do feel bad. So one of the things I've always said is I wonder how Nikola Vucevic would fare on a roster if he had another player where he wasn't the number one option. So, yeah. for example, let's say that you paired him with a player like, I'm just going to throw it out, Bradley Beal, like where, where the game would come so much easier for him because he doesn't have the pressure of everything being ran through him, which I'm sure he doesn't mind, but he just has that other player that can help and support him at the high level that that he's doing. So it, it's it's shameful because let's say that the Magic do decide, hey, you know, we we just it doesn't make sense for you to be on our roster. They trade him. This dude is going to excel on whatever team he gets moved to. Not saying that he's in trade talks, not saying any of that, but if they decided, because obviously this is a conversation that we have every year, hey, you got to break up the core, hey, you got to break up the three. If there's anyone from the three that, you, that in my opinion, I would not want move, is Nikola Vucevic. But if he is move, that dude is going to bring so much to another team that it's going to be, it's, he's a player that he's they're going to bring, you bring that player in and he's going to take that team to the next level. Let me ask you guys this. Do you think that being injured again, gives the front office the excuse to not make significant moves and start next year saying, let's run it back a fourth time now. I know 40 is expiring and all, but do you guys see two of those three guys coming back because of the injuries? I don't, not because of the injury. I think if they don't move Vooch by trade deadline, I think that, or, or AG, because I, I really don't think Evan gets moved. So, um, if they don't move one of those, if they don't move one of those two dudes by deadline, I think we'll be running it back again. I, I just, I, I hate you know criticizing the front, the front office because I feel like obviously they know more than we do. They haven't, uh, they have a plan, or you hope that they have a plan in place. But man, it just feels like, it just feels like they might have had a direction, but now with all of these injuries, you have two cornerstone players that are out for a minimum of one full season. I don't know. You're just you're you're stuck in a tough spot because you're you're kind of being forced to make moves now to answer for what's going to be cleared up in one season. You know what I mean? There's already been rumors and speculations before the season started that Evan Fournier was looking at other teams or is looking at other teams. Right. Even if we don't trade Evan, there's no way that dude is back. 
There's like no, there's zero zero percent that that's yeah. Happening. If I had to put a percentage on that, I would say it's less than five percent. And by this, I mean by the deadline. Like I don't think the Magic will want to lose him for nothing. And by that, like expiring contract, just let him walk. I don't think so. I think you'll see him go into a. I mean, look at look at the Hawks right now. The two free agent pickups just went down with injuries, knee injuries. Are they a team that make a move just to kind of get Fournier in, in their roster? Um, I know he likes Denver. He played there before. Sacramento, we've talked about before. Like It's going to come down to the teams that are playing well that need that scoring to go to the next level. Justin, I have a question. If you, if you are a free agent, you're in a contract year, right? You're about to be a free agent. You're on a team that have already gone through numerous injuries. The likelihood of the Magic making the playoffs is very, very, you know, it's, it's wishy-washy. You really don't know. And you have an injury like a back spasm. Would you be in a rush to get back on the floor? I think that a back spasm is a symptom, not the injury. No, so no, I no. think I don't. Wait, 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 wait. So I don't think I have. Context. I don't have. I don't have enough information to say. Oh, <laughs> Evan should play or should not play. I didn't I was, say. Anything. I was there. I was there when. Um, during the Philly game, sitting behind the Magic bench when Evan was complaining from the back spasms. And that man tried to play. I saw with my own eyes. He was complaining about it pregame. He was getting it worked on pregame. He came out onto the floor. He played. When he went back into the uh, the huddle, you know, the, there was I, it looked like there was conversations, and it looked like he wanted to continue playing, but he was in pain. So I can't I can't say, you know, yes or no. What I would say is that throughout history, Fournier seems as the type of guy who does not run from playing basketball. You know what I mean? And he answers when he needs to answer. So I, if I go based on history, I would say there there has to be something bugging Evan unless Orlando is actively in trade talks and purposefully holding him out of games, which would be against league policy. So I would hope they didn't do that. <laughs> um, but that would be the only reason why... I. Other than a serious injury, why I see Evan not playing? Why I would see Evan not playing? I don't know. Yeah, I think it can be it can be swayed that it's lingering way more than it should. This team can't survive. Listen, as as bad as we may or may not have talked about Evan Fournier, this team cannot survive we need him. without we need him. him. We yes. need oh, that we man. Yes, yes, man. Oh, we man. need can him. Can both of y'all say it real quick? Real quick. Who do we need? Wait, I'm I'm, I'm gonna change my answer here real quick. We uh, need a shooting guard that can shoot the ball. <laughs> and how many of those available are better than Evan Fournier? I will take JJ Redick back. Give me anybody, bro. Just anybody that can shoot the ball. JJ Redick is not available. He's on a roster currently. No, but we hey, can trade him. You guys are haters. You guys are haters. But ultimately, Evan Fournier is a high-level shooting guard. We need to make his role work in Orlando. But when you look at, okay, it's time to move Evan. Unless you're going to package him for a superstar, it doesn't make sense to let him walk. Now, but on a serious note, I will say this about our front office, Evan, the whole team. I will say this. When this team has been healthy in the last two seasons, and by that I mean the one week that we were healthy, <laughs> this team has looked really, really good. We saw a little bit of it in the bubble when J.I. came back, Parkell was coming back as well. And, man, like we were blowing teams out. This season, we were down Aminu, Ennis, J.I., and we started 4-0 in the season. So we've seen glimpses of what this team can be. And that's what makes me feel bad about the front office. They had a plan. They had an idea of, hey, this is how we want to build this team. We're going to win with this roster. Unfortunately, injuries got in the way. We haven't seen any of it. And it sucks. But at this point, as a front office, you got to decide. 
do you move forward with youth and let's go to young movement and kind of do a mini rebuild again? Or like Ant said, do you pull the trigger and say, hey, let's trade a whole package like Houston just did and go grab ourselves another star because Vooch deserves that. And let's go around and build something that can last starting this season. It's, it's tough. I think that Mike Tyson once said, everybody has a plan until they get punched in the face, right? We got punched. So Orlando got, got punched everything. in the face. <laughs> so now what do you, how do you move forward? How do you move forward? You can't, you can't make, keep the same roster that you have. And I know you're going to talk about the, the DPEs and stuff that the Magic received, but you can't conti- uh, continue to keep this roster and expect a different result. If you're going to continue to keep this roster, then make it broadcasted like, hey, you know, we're kind of looking forward to next year. This year, we're not going to really do much. We just don't have the assets and we're unwilling to retool. Yeah, and Jeff Altman, in an interview with Josh Robbins, in the beginning of the season, um, he didn't rule out uh, just blowing everything up as an option. He didn't rule it out. So I'm sure that it's still within the midst of thoughts and conversations. But it's weird, man. You don't In this situation, you really don't know what to do, especially when you have, you have a very small sample size as this team is able to play well if they're able to play together and they are healthy. But it seems like every year we have that sample size and then injuries happen and then, you know, green passes are, are being sent to everyone saying that, well, we would have did all right if we would have had healthy players or we would have been good if this would have happened in the playoffs. It, there's just so many, so many ifs, ands and buts that we really say what you want, but they kind of do have a point. I hate it, but they kind of do have a point, but this is this it's the nba a lot of these teams they're able to stay healthy and they're able to make moves and make changes and make adjustments we got to be able to do the same thing so uh one of the things that the magic have done since markel fultz um was injured with the torn acl is they applied for a 6.1 million dpe uh disabled player exception in connection with markel season ending injury so what are your thoughts on the magic at least filing for the DPE and how do you think that this could benefit the team moving forward? I think it just gives us options, right? So we have one already for JI. We have another one now that I'm pretty sure is going to get approved for Markel Fultz. So if you make a trade, you could do a two for one, three for one type of trade, knowing that once you pull that trade over, you have two roster spots open or one, and then use that exemption to add another player via free agency. If that's how you want to pursue um, that, that other player. So it gives you options. Um, Josh Robbins has said it. He doesn't think the team will, the team is going to use, uh, the exemption at this time. We don't have any roster spots open. And the only logical guy that you would drop if you wanted to use it is, um, is Clark. And again, I don't see that happening at this time. So we'll see what happens. Yeah, Gary Clark has the smallest contract on the roster. A lot of people I saw that they have commented, well, why don't we just drop uh, Jordan Bone and Kareem Monet? And unfortunately, they are not eligible because they are two-way players and you can only replace a two-way player with a two-way player. Um, But let's say that they were to use it. Let's say that they find a way to open up a roster spot. Um, Who would you want the Magic to use it on? And who do you think would be the right fit? I'm looking at the free agent list, but I, I would assume it'd have to be a guard, right? A point guard, preferably, because Cole Anthony, you know, we're throwing him in there, and um, he's trying valiantly. I just think he he needs to develop as a player, and I think that he's not in a position where he's going to help this team right now as a starting point guard. I know one name that has been thrown left and right 
and Instagram is Isaiah Thomas, which we almost signed a few years back. Since then, he's supposedly now all healed again and healthy. That's the one name I've seen out there. Hey, on a, on a, on a year where you're not really playing for much except to try to win games, that may not be a bad option. Yeah, and from my understanding, the in order to use a DP, it has to be on a player that is on an expiring contract. From my if you if you so do I, a trade correct, it's got to go to that roster spot has to be correct. filled by someone on an expiring contract. And I've I've looked at uh, different websites on because so not not just talking about DPEs, just talking about acquiring a a veteran point guard to to replace Markel Fultz. Um, one of the mock trades that I saw was um, from the Detroit Pistons. One of <clears throat> one of their um, website blogs is that they had. Orlando Magic trading away James Ennis, a future first rounder for Derrick Rose. That makes a lot of sense. If you think about the way that Rose plays and what he can add to a team, it's kind of similar to Markel does, right? He attacks the rim. He shoots a mid-range shot really well. He can hit some threes. But he adds that, that veteran presence in the locker room if you're trying to compete this season, right, and win some games. Um, I'm not sure if the salaries would work in that scenario because I think Rose, uh, Rose makes a little bit more money than – and Ennis, for sure. Um, so I think it might have been Aminu that they threw in that scenario. Um, but yeah, maybe it, it would work. It's just a matter of free agent options. I mean, I think Isaiah Thomas is obviously a, a great candidate. I don't, I don't see why people dislike him so much, um, other than the fact that he's undersized and the obvious comparison of him and DJ Augustine based off size. Um, but Isaiah Thomas plays in my opinion, bigger than his size. I think people forget this man scored multiple 50-point games, took the Celtics, you know, to what, the second round of the playoffs, on the tail end of losing his sister and traveling back between Boston and Seattle or Tacoma. I don't know. I think this is a man who has shown had success in the NBA, who is familiar with playing in a winning culture, um, playing against or playing around, surrounded by high-level players, and I think he's a veteran that'll definitely help uh, Cole Anthony out. Another one um, that I think Orlando should look at, Shabazz Napier. He played here already. I think we trade. We ended up trading him to uh, to Portland, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, Shabazz is another dude that could ball. I mean, he has handles. He could shoot. Again, he's undersized at that position. But in a situation where we are, you, you can't really look for all of the pluses, you know what I mean? You're going to have to take some detriments with whoever it is that you select. Um, and this this team struggles offensively. Those are two guys who are going to help you produce points on the offensive end. Yeah, I like the idea of Isaiah Thomas. Isaiah Thomas's name um, has been linked to the Magic for the last couple of seasons, primarily from the fan base, more so from media outlets. Um, but he's also a Husky. I mean, you're, you're talking about yes, a, a veteran player that has been an all-star, that's been able to play and lead a team um, in during his days as a Boston Celtic. Um, and not only would he be able to help Cole Anthony as a undersized point guard, um, but he can also help Markel Fultz, who's dealing with an injury also. Yeah. And and just talking about mentally how to get through it. They, they come from the same university, so there's a brotherhood right there as it is. Um, it, it makes a lot of sense. Yeah, not to mention that Husky life, but uh, Terrence Ross also went to UW, so that's another guy that, you know, they'll have some type of bonding to, to, to undergo. I don't know. I think it's the right move. Now we just got to see how long it'll take Orlando to realize it. 
Yeah, because right right now, so Cole Anthony, he's been struggling as a starting point guard um, since Markel went down uh, Wednesday during the Cavs game. He's been averaging 10.8 points per game on just 34% shooting from the field, and he's averaging 12.5% from the three-point line, along with just 2.8 rebounds, 2.5 assists, 2.8 turnovers. Uh, he's... It, He's doing what he can. Uh, the fan base, they can't. We can't expect too much from Cole Anthony because he's still a rookie point guard. Listen, when we were fully healthy, I looked forward to the second unit coming into the game. Yeah. Like I literally looked forward to Cole Anthony, Terrence Ross, Kemba. Like I looked forward to Moki. I looked forward to seeing them in the game. And anything that he did was add. It was bonus. Because we wanted them to go out there and learn how to play and get accustomed to the NBA game. They didn't have um, the the summer league. They didn't have the, the month in advance where they were able to get adjusted with, with the team and the coaching staff. They didn't have any of that. So throwing him out to the Wolves could be either a good thing, could be a bad thing. But right now, it's struggling. So bringing in another player, another veteran point guard, even if they don't start. But at least having that voice in game that can kind of help him along the way. I think it's very, very beneficial. So the 12.5% on three-point, when I saw that, I thought it was a typo. So I had to, I actually had to go and research it myself, and that is accurate. I think what what's holding Cole back um, is the pace of play. Cole Anthony is a dude that plays well in high-paced basketball, and we still see, you know, Vucevic is running. He's jumping a little more, a little more active on defense. But as long as this team doesn't get out in the open and run, the young guys are going to struggle in the half court game. You're you're asking Cole Anthony to lead the charge, to also slow the tempo down, to get Vooch involved, and then also be a three point threat. All in his eleven games into his professional career, that's a lot. I will say this, man. Like you guys know, again, I watched the Warriors outside of the Magic, and one thing that I would say about them, man, is is how fun it is to watch them play. Even in a season where they don't have the whole roster, right? Because they don't have Clay, they don't have all these players that they they're supposed to have to be a top team. No matter what, you, I can watch the Warriors just by 20 points and still enjoy the game because how beautiful their offense is. One thing I've noticed, which I think I tweeted last week about Cole Anthony, is the lack of creativity to get him open shots. The way that the offense is being ran right now, he's bringing the ball up. It's either a pick and roll, which is going to force him his way to, the, to a layup, and it's getting blocked or stripped, or he's sitting in the corner the whole time. <clears throat> that's it. There's nothing else that's being ran for him. I would love to see the team run offense for him like they do for Terrence Ross, coming off screens, getting creative to get him open shots because he can shoot the ball. We've seen it in college. His shot is it's nice looking. Like He can shoot the ball. I just think that the way he's being handled at this moment is not the right way. He's being used as if he so was a better point guard, and he's not. So are you 100% down to let Aaron Gordon run the point forward position and just have Cole play off ball? I mean – it's funny you say that. Uh, Ann and I went to the to the Bucks game together, and I kept telling him, like, listen, like, I don't I don't mind that scenario where AG plays that point forward. He brings the ball up, and he creates the offense. AG, for all that we may not like about him at some at some point, he can pass the ball. He can see the open teammate. He can create for others. So at this moment, I wouldn't mind seeing that where he becomes the primary ball handler, and you have Cole Anthony be more of a shooting guard out there rather than the guy controlling the ball. Right. We don't even like AG playing the three. We're going to let AG play the one. But funny enough, the AG that, that plays the three is the one that's taking, you know, this fadeaway three-point shots, and he's trying to create too much. But when you see him running the point, 
he sticks with the game plan, which is pick and rolls, which is trying to get to the basket and pass to the open teammate. So I don't know if it's mental with him, but when he's told, like, hey, you're, you're in control of creating offense, he does a good job. When he tries to be the Paul George, Paul George out there, that's not his game. Yeah, I mean, I, I read the same article from Josh Robbins where you said that it's very unlikely that the Magic would use any of the exceptions that they they did get the DPS or they applied for it just out of due diligence and just to be able to have that option just in case. Um, but I, I think that it, it's going to take a little more than just waiting for for things to get better for the team and for Cole Anthony. I, I definitely think that he needs support, and you know, you never know in the NBA, everything happens so fast and. And hopefully they surprise you. Let's hope so. Yeah. But now with the injuries, um, we're starting to see more minutes for Mo Bamba. What are your thoughts on what he's been able to contribute to the team? So we were, we were starting to see more minutes for Bamba, right? Because he's not playing. We were, he correct. He's not playing against uh, Boston on Friday. So I don't know. Here we go again with the up and down minutes, injuries. I think uh, he's not not playing due to minutes or injuries is because of COVID-19 tracing. Correct. I mean, in the limited action that we've seen him out there, he hasn't played that much. But in the limited time that he's been out there, I've noticed that Obama's a little bit more active than he used to be. I don't know about you guys, but I've seen a guy that's at least going for rebounds a little more. He had a highlight block right away when he came into the game the other day that led to a Aaron Gordon dunk. Um he seems a little more active. I'm not sure, again, like we talked about before in previous episodes, if it has to do with a Cole Anthony kind of relationship and him being on the team and kind of pushing him a little more. Not sure if that's what it is. But, again, we haven't seen him enough. If you look at his averages, though, in the last four games and compared to Cam Birch, he's averaging one and a half points less and three rebounds less than him, but in half the time. So we all talk about this amazing, like, we love how Cam Birch plays. I'm one of his biggest fans, so get me wrong. But if Mobama gets his same minutes and he gets a chance out there, would he do the same or worse? We don't know that yet. Um, but again, I just hope he gets healthy, and I hope we start seeing him get some minutes consistently. He deserves it, um, and we all want to see him out there. This is a guy that we drafted six in the draft. We want to see him play. Listen, he, he was recently quoted, I'm hungry, I'm ready to go. That's a that's a different mentality from the the low motor uh, Mobamba that people are expecting. You can you can tell that he has an itch to get out there. Um, he does still look a little nervous, but I mean he hasn't played basketball for a minute and still getting adjusted and acclimated is going to take some time. Um, during that Bucks game, he had that that one strong play where he had a really massive block, and then on the other side, he sprinted down and was able to make a really big offensive play. So. I, I'm a I'm a Mo Bamba fan. I'm rooting for him. I just really hope that in spite of all the injuries that we have, that he's able to add some positive contributions. Now, um, so Al, yeah, mentioned that we were at the game. And one of the things that we saw is the addition or the the added brand new city edition jerseys. So a lot of the fans, they were able to see it from home, obviously. What are your thoughts on this year's city edition jerseys compared to last year? Are you are you shooting or passing on them now that you're able to see them in person? I'm shooting on them. I like it. It has more of an Orlando Magic flow to it. The star, the, the spin stripes. Um, it, it looks different. The white's really, really white. <laughs> the orange is really orange. And the court did not match one bit. I wish the court 
match the jerseys. I'm going to say that because they have last year's core out there. But as far as the jerseys go, I like them. Um, again, they have more of an Orlando Magic flow to it than last year's team, than last year's um, City Edition. Now, last year's City Edition, I hated until I saw them in person, and then I really liked them. This year, I thought I liked the color scheme. I thought it was dope, but then seeing the jerseys on the players left a little bit um, for me. Like I, I, I desired more from it. Uh. But history shows I'm a hater, so <laughs> over time, over time I may like them more. But right now I'm I'm good. I think the white it it pops so much more on the court. Um, I really really wish that they would have they would have had the um they would have had the court that matches because the the only the only thing that I really didn't like is the fact that the logo that we had for last season, uh, with the secondary Orlando Magic logo was orange and then it had that that bullet gray. And then this season is more orange and just mm-hmm. white. So the fact that we had that logo um, on the jerseys, but we had last season's uh, logo color scheme on the court, that was a little confusing. Obviously, you still have that little bit of gray on the jersey that I guess it kind of matches if you're looking at it with one eye open. Um, I just wish that they would have made that adjustment. Very similar to like if we take a look at the Miami Heat. They have their city edition jerseys, and the court that they have matches it perfectly. I don't like it, but it matches it perfectly. Wish we would have did the same. Jumping into our next pass to shoot, the season is lost. Should we let the young guys play and just pick things up next season? Should we tank away? I'm going to say shoot just because I think this team needs a solid draft pick that hopefully can truly become that star that we've been seeking for such a long time. And next year's draft, more than any other draft in recent memory, has that kind of talent. Or it's supposed to, at least. We're supposed to have talented players, like 1 through 10 in that draft. I would hate for the Magic to pick 16th again and be picking someone who's supposed to be good years on the road rather than a guy that can make a difference next year or quickly after we draft him. Um, Again, this team has to decide what to do. Either we move forward with the young guys, we do another small rebuild, while J.I. and Fultz come back. But we got to figure it out, man. We cannot keep rolling out there the same dudes and expect different results. So if it was up to me, I would say embrace losing the season and go from there. I'm a pass. Um, losing, losing the season no longer guarantees that you're going to have a top draft pick. Uh, so that, that would be my first argument. Second argument is what we talked about earlier Vucevic is playing too well to just throw the season away without moving him um and number three I I think it's 11 games in you want to talk about throwing the season away already I mean you still have Cole Anthony who you know was drafted with the 15th pick was projected to go top 10 before injury projected to go top three in high school projected to go top five I mean I think it's too soon. Chumo Kiki didn't have a season-ending injury. He had, uh, uh, I believe, a knee contusion that he should be back from in a couple weeks. Um, Evan Fournier is going to come back. And the idea of retooling through the draft, I mean, how many young guys do you need to draft before it's like, okay, well, we need some veterans to step in because the young guys aren't cutting it. You have J.I., who's still, you know, in the first four years of his career, Markel Fultz, the same thing. Chumo Kiki, Cole Anthony, Mo Bamba. How many, now Jordan Bone, how many young guys are you going to add 
hoping that one of them takes off. You have to give these guys proper time. You have to hope that they stay healthy. And in the meantime, veterans win championships. Veterans compete. Young guys don't. They can help their teams a little bit. But name one young guy that you, you're putting the entire team on their back and is carrying them to postseason playing championships. It let me ask you this the, real quick. The guys who have... Let me ask you this real quick. So what's even if you say you pick up Isaiah Thomas in free agency and you bring him to this team right now and you keep the roster the same, you're trying to compete this season, and you're playing the Nets in the first round, that's the eighth seed, what are you accomplishing another year? What are you going to do? What is that, what, again, what do we do? If we win one game, we beat them game one again. The, the idea has always been that the front office believes that the best way to develop these young players is to put them in a position where Correct. they're able to play meaningful games. 100%. So if you if you have a roster that you're able to play and you see that that's what we're aiming for, like that's within reach, uh, not the playing tournament. Uh, I mean, you can kind of consider the playing tournament just depending on how the structure is as a meaningful game. But the playoff is, is the absolute goal. And if you have a shot at the playoffs, then you definitely have to you you have to go for it. Um, but at the same time, tank for Cade, man. Cade Cunningham, that, that's if you're looking at a player to get, there's a lot. This this draft is supposed to be one of the the most talented drafts that we've had in a very long while. And if you plan on tanking, this is the draft to tank for. Now, will the Magic do it? They've shown that they have never been for tank. They will never admit it. Quite frankly, we're terrible at tanking. And the only way that that's really going to happen is if we see something crazy and Nikola Vucevic is shut down for the season. That's not going to happen. Question is, can we make the playoffs without... Markel Fultz without there's our two, starting point guard. Is there's two players that, that come to, to mind do? when you talk about like Kate Cunningham and just like the possibility of projected college athletes being great in the NBA. Like Anthony Bennett was selected number one overall. Darko Milicic was taken number two over Carmelo Anthony. Your projection for a draft and what it what people think you're going to be before you even play one game in, in, in the professional league it really means nothing that I, I feel like that's something that we talk about you know what i mean but there's a there's a plan like these guys go into the draft with option one option two option three at the end of the day what matters is your development team right and the chemistry on the team going based off of oh this guy played well in college it should transfer over markel played well in college jonathan isaac played well in college Anthony Bennett played well in college. Victor, you know what I'm saying? Like, it doesn't directly transfer to the NBA. So I think tanking in hopes of grabbing one of these guys, it's like, first of all, you're hoping that you get him. I think you're hoping that he turns out to be what you all projected him to be. I think tanking is a bad idea. It's a surefire way to fail. The way that you you keep these guys engaged and developing is, like Ant said, that has been kind of the model for this team, which is play as well as you can and play in games that matter. It's tough, man, because, again, as you guys know, I, I go to every Magic game. I root for this team, uh, as you guys know, with, with all I got. It's my, it's my team. I want to see them win. My goal when I first moved to Orlando and I started going to Magic games was to make the playoffs. I wanted to see this team make the playoffs, and, and that was my thing. Like I want to go to a playoff game. We finally made that happen last year or two years ago. We won one game. That was awesome. Game three. I'm sorry, game one that was. But game three, the experience, being live at a playoff game was amazing. But this is a year where, again, I just I, we're at a point right now where we've tried this roster 
if you want to think about this, six seasons, we've had Vucevic, Gordon, Fournier as the guys in this team. We're now going in a season where you don't have J.I., which is your main star, or Michael Fultz, your secondary star that you're kind of building around. They're not here anymore. So playing those meaningful games, okay, for Cole Anthony, Okiki, Mobamba, okay, I get it. Makes sense. But your two main stars are not playing. So if you have a chance to speed up the rebuild a little bit or, or, the, or the transformation of the team a little bit to get a better young player in the draft, well, also you're going to get assets. If you make a trade for Gordon or Fournier, whoever it is, you're going to get assets back, whatever those are. So you can do something where this team finally turns the page while at the same time thinking of next year as a year where you say, hey, next year's our year. Now we got J.I., now we got a second year call Anthony, a better Mobamba, hopefully. I just don't know what we're doing by just continuing to try to make this team slightly better to make it to the eighth seed just to say that we made the playoffs. We've done that already. Where are we? We have really quick, just looking at the roster really quick, we have Aminu who's going into his second year with the team. Cole Anthony, year one. Dwayne Bacon, year one. Mo Bamba, year three. Ken Birch, year four. Jordan Bone, year one. Michael Carter-Williams, year two. Gary Clark, year two. James Ennis, year two. Markel Fultz, year two. Or year three, sorry. Jonathan Isaac, same thing. Chumo Key. All of these guys are so new. Like, I just don't see... I just don't see how you look at guys who've been here for one season, two seasons at the max, and you're like, hey, guys... Uh, we're just going to throw it all away. We have two cornerstone pieces. Oh, no, that are so you injured. missed my point there. The guys I'm talking about are the ones that have been here since 2014, 2015 that are still, are still our superstars. But by making that decision, you're not just impacting those guys. You're impacting the guys who actually came here to play, who are looking to be competitive and develop their skills. And you're, you're telling them it's okay to throw away the season. Like, we're not good enough anyway. I just don't see how, how that helps the team be better in the but long that, run. But that has never been a form of tanking in the NBA. There's never been a conversation with the front office and the players saying, hey, I want you guys to go out there and miss every shot. I want you to throw the game. There's never been a conversation, any tanking. What the front office do is that they tie the players' hands. So whether you shut players down, whether you trade certain players, that's how the tanking kind of goes about. We're already there. We're not even trying to tank, and we're tanking. We don't have the the quality of talented roster to be able to compete at a high level. To we have seven injured players, and guys. that's and that's what I'm saying. We're tanking without even tanking. Nikola Vucevic, Evan Fournier, uh, uh, Terrence Ross, Aaron Gordon. Even if they're playing at their best right now, their best, not the best, their best. It may not be enough. They need help. When everybody who's injured, with the exception of Markel Fultz and Jonathan Isaac, will come back this season. I just, do you guys, like, you're aware of that? Jonathan Isaac, wait, Jonathan Isaac and Chuma, Jonathan Isaac and Markel Fultz were not major point producers on offense. So if everybody except them two are coming back, I just don't see how you're you're just saying, well, we're not going to compete at all. Like, I, I don't know. No, but but your but your vision is a little bit short sighted because you we, we talked about it. Evan Fournier, again, whether you like it or not, or whether we agree or not, it's not going to be here long term. So what we're saying is, do you speed up that trade? Because, again, you already don't have your two young stars. The team is injured. Say we go on the three, five game losing streak. Do you push that trade a little quicker? Because you don't need Fournier here if you're going to make the playoffs. Let's be realistic. 
that's kind of where the conversation kind of starts. It's like, what do you do if the losing continues? And these dudes that deserve to be in a better team or that can get you some assets, do you pull those triggers faster? Or did you just let them play and continue but, to just hopefully make the playoffs again? That's where we're kind of at. But that wasn't the passer shoot. The passer shoot was, this is the season lost? Do you let the young guys play or pick and pick things up next season? You're saying if they continue to lose, that's in the future. I'm talking about based on where we are 11 games into the season right now, tanking should not be an option. Now, the way that you guys are seeing it is if the team is a solidified playoff contending team. It's not like we were in the sixth seed, the seventh seed last season. We we barely made the eighth seed, and the East has gotten so much better. So I I agree that it is way too early to say, hey, pull pull the plug and and tank right away. And if they did that, this would be a really long ass season. Um, and you're right. It it's not it's not like you know Mark Markel. We don't have a starting point guard, and I think that that's the part that makes it makes it difficult. Can your team really succeed in the NFL without a quarterback? You know, as much as much faith as I have in Cole Anthony, eventually, I just don't see it right now. Um, now. In the week ahead, the Magic are playing against, um, we have Friday, January 15th against Boston, Saturday against Brooklyn. I'm really hoping that we'll get to a chance to see kind of Harden in, in, in the mix with the Nets there. Um, the Monday against the Knicks, and then Wednesday against Minnesota. So a lot of basketball um, coming our way. Hopefully none of them gets um, gets rescheduled. I really want to, uh, it's kind of missed, I missed watching the Magic basketball play yesterday on Wednesday. So Really hope that there are games um, activated for us. And then let's close this episode out. What are your final thoughts? Stay healthy. Uh, we cannot afford to lose any more players. Um, so stay healthy. Ideally, that's, that's my only thing I want to see. I want to see some magic basketball, like you said. Um, but I gotta see. I want to see some quality magic basketball. Like, I think I'm tired of seeing you know the two-way players being played like they are role players on this team. That's not what they're here for. Um, so I'm hoping we see Fournier back, MCW back at some point. Um, and yeah, man, just give me some quality basketball because we miss it. Yeah, I'm I'm gonna go opposite. I I actually like what I've seen um, from Jordan Bone. I think that um, Clifford needs to experiment more with lineups. I think with the amount of injury, having seven guys injured currently, uh, I think it would behoove Steve Clifford to try different things. Um, you don't know what you got, you know, until you try it. And I think he's comfortable with keeping lineups the way they are. But when you're missing, you know, point producers like Evan Fournier I, I and Terrence Ross, you know, he came back, but he was also injured. I think that that gives you a green light to try different uh, rotations, different lineups, have different guys play with each other and see what, what chemistry, you know, kind of happens on the court. I think sometimes you stumble upon things that you don't necessarily expect to happen. And I think Clifford has to uh, embrace kind of not knowing or not being in control as much. Um, I think that would help this team. If we're, if we're even mulling over the possibility of tanking, then having different players play out of their traditional minutes and lineup rotations shouldn't be out of the question. Yeah. I'm looking forward to seeing this team, uh, obviously minus Markel folks get healthy again, to be able to see a healthy Mobamba, to see a healthy Chumo Kiki and kind of get a little, uh, a little normality with the players is something that I'm really, really looking forward to because uh, as much as we may criticize or we have our opinions, at the end of the day, we we like the players on our on our roster um, and we we will always root for their success and we want them to play well. I want to be able to turn my TV on and enjoy watching the magic game. 
the game against the the ball, the Bucks, the Magic played really really well with a limited roster until until the fourth quarter. As long as they're going out there and fighting, man, that's all, that's all I can ask for. So, cheers to a healthy roster, and uh, that's a wrap for us, man. Thank you so much for listening. That's it for us. Peace. Thank you for listening to the Ozone Podcast, the voice of Magic fans. Be sure to visit our website, theozonepod.com. And remember to subscribe, rate, and leave a review on all your favorite podcast listening platforms.